In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. This week, this first week at the beginning of every calendar year, it always feels to me like the world around us is filled with resolutions. People promising for the next year that they will do something different, that they will be a different, better version of themselves, to read something or learn something, to take a class, to grow something, to stop something. Sometimes it's to change habits or patterns or routines that we have. Sometimes it's to lose weight or exercise more or sleep better. But the goal at the end of the day is to add something, to do something, to take away something that hurts us so that we can live better. And I have to admit that I usually try not to look all that closely at these things because I've never really been a fan of the practice of resolutions. It seems to me, and and I'm speaking mostly about myself here, but I, I think it's present in the culture around us and maybe it's true for you, that as soon as we've made resolutions, you know, just like a week or two later, maybe longer if you're disciplined, we find reasons to forget them, to negotiate our way out of them. And yet, there is something here for us in this first week that is good about the idea of a new start, even for me, who's not crazy about resolutions. And I think that's especially true this year, that we all have this need for a new start, as we have 2020 in the rear view and are hopeful about the future and specifically about a vaccine and what the first half of the year might look like. There is something to a new start, And the truth is, you can't have a new start without some kind of ending before that. So what did we learn last year? What is it that has ended? What did we put down? What changed for us as individuals and as God's people? What new knowledge, what new compassion, what new love are we bringing forward into the new year that is the fruit of the trials and tribulations of the last year? It would be very easy for us all to be cynical and sarcastic about the year that's passed, and truthfully, some of that is probably a healthy, cathartic response. But like all years, this past year has included growth and some joy and some family and some friends, some things to be grateful for, and as always, quite a lot for us to learn. So what did we learn about loving our neighbor, about race and justice? about staying home and keeping each other safe, about how connected we are to each other, about how responsible we are for each other, even people on the other side of the planet that we've never met. How interconnected are we? And what did we learn from that? About ourselves? What did we learn about God? What will be different in this year ahead, this 2021, because we lived through 2020? Every new start has a choice in it, to be the same, to continue the way that we were, or not. To do something new, to be something new, to go a new way, or not. In the Gospel this morning, we hear a familiar and beloved story. The story of the arrival of the kings with their gift for the tiny, still, very newborn baby Jesus. Except that story, which feels to us like it should be the highlight today, because of the way the gospel is sort of parsed out, it feels to me more like that little story is in the midst of a different story. Like it's sandwiched in between something else that God wants us to pay attention to. And the larger story is about the interaction between the wise men and Herod. So the wise men arrive from the east, 
into a country that is not their own, a place they've probably never been before. They've traveled a great distance following the star and they don't know exactly where they're going. So they stop and they ask a person who they think should know, the appointed king of the Jews, the leader, supposedly a religious man himself, and they ask him where they will find Jesus. They expect that they can trust him, that his intentions will be good. And Herod, for his part, first of all, doesn't know what they're talking about. He and his scribes haven't been paying attention to this star in the sky that has led the wise men here. And when he hears the prophecy, he is none too pleased because another king of the Jews would threaten his power, his position. And even if this child is born of God, even if he fulfills the prophecy of Herod's own faith, Herod seems to want none of it. We know that because we know how the story actually continues, that Herod will search for the child so that he can kill him. But at this point, the wise men don't know how the story ends. They don't know what he will do. And so they likely still think that Herod is a, a good king, a faithful person. After all, he said, would you please come back and tell me so that I can go and worship the child there was no reason for them to doubt his word or his intentions. And so it must have struck them as odd, as strange, that God sent them a dream to warn them not to return to Herod, to do the opposite of the thing that seems to make sense, to not return to tell Herod, to share the good news, to let him go and worship the child. Instead, because of this dream that God sends, the text tells us that the wise men go home by another road. It's this other road that I am really interested in this morning. Likely it was a longer road. It didn't go through town, it didn't go through the city, so it would have had to go around it. Not on the major highways or the trade routes or the regularly passed roads. No, the first part of this journey, if they were going home by another road, if they were going around civilization, would have likely been on little back roads, on stretches of terrain that weren't always clear or well-marked. They likely would have needed to follow the stars and to trust their own navigation and hope that they were headed in the right direction in a land that they didn't know. And we know that their journey to Bethlehem had already been a long one. So it must have been true that this change in route, this new added uncertainty would have added time to their journey home. And it certainly would have made the trip more difficult, removing some of the opportunities for for comfort and for contact. There would have been less places to stop and rest, less places to find food and water, less civilization, less comfort. What they would have signed up for on this other road was the sort of empty expanse of space around them and the willingness, the goodness, the certainty of following the sign that they had been sent down a path that maybe wasn't entirely clear. Likely, the wise men had no idea what a difference their decision would make in the story of Jesus, what this one act of generous obedience would do, that it would save this child's life and by doing so save the whole world. Truthfully, this is the story of many people in Jesus's life when he walks among us on earth and of many of the saints who came before us, people who for one reason or another had a dream or interpreted the signs or just seemed to get lucky, <laughs> who furthered the message of Jesus, who protected him while he was with us, who made it possible for him and for his message to grow. 
And these little decisions to take the longer road to follow their instincts, to be obedient, they make all the difference in the arc of the story that saves you and me. Now in this story, it's important for us to see that Herod's voice is the voice of privilege, of power, of control, of self-interest. It is the voice of the superficial. Herod, by all accounts, in history and tradition, the scraps that we have, the things we pass down, Herod was a pretty horrible actor on the stage at the time. He was wealthy and yet weak. He was educated and yet without intelligence. He was lazy in the practice of his faith, and he was corrupt in his leadership of the government. We have stories that show us that he lacked respect for human dignity and that he failed to protect human life, even the lives of his brothers and sisters in faith, because at the end of the day, Herod was in it for himself. So it's not just the truth-telling about Jesus that the wise men are going around when they take this other road. They're also refusing to give in to something else, to the dangers and the difficulties of a world that doesn't know Jesus, that didn't have a place for him, where he wouldn't have been safe, a world that isn't focused on love and compassion, but instead pulls us away and distracts us from what's important, that tells us we should be like Herod, focused on ourselves and on our position and on what we can do and what we can have. I'm interested this morning in what other roads you will take this year, around the distractions of the world, around the dangers that Herod represents. You have been sent the greatest of dreams, and we call it the gospel. It is the dream of Jesus, of salvation, of peace, of fulfillment. It is the reminder that we are deeply interconnected, that we are responsible for each other, and that all that we do either helps or hinders the unfolding of God's love. You have already been given everything that you need to follow him and to be part of that dream. And together, in our worship, in our study, in our life together, we continue to interpret the signs and the stories that he left behind, which call you and call us and call me to take a different road. A road that leads away from the dangers and distractions of the world and leads to something else, to truth-telling, to fulfillment, even though it may not be clear at first, and even though it might be a little rockier than the roads that are well-trod and often populated. So what is it that God might be asking you to do? Who is it that God might be asking you to protect, to honor, to care for? How are you, like Paul, called to be a servant of this gospel, of this greatest of dreams? What is the longer road? the other road that God is stretching out in front of you and asking you to take a risk on? Is it one of prayer? Is it study or service or humility or compassion? How will you take the longer road with God this year? What do you need to do to go around? What are the things you need to go around and avoid? For the wise man, it was the city, King Herod, that they were trying to avoid. But for us, it may well be different. What is it that has been detrimental to your faith and to your relationship with God and your relationships with other people in this last year? And what can you learn from those things? My friends, while the world makes secular resolutions, and I, I do want to say, despite my own bias, that um, if they lead to your health and wholeness, then that is a good and wonderful thing. 
but along with those secular resolutions, how will you prioritize your relationship with God this year? Your growth as a spiritual being, your presence in the world as an instrument of God's love, your understanding of God's deep love for you. Know that the road may not be easy at first, and that to go around those dangers and distractions, sometimes we have to carve a new course for ourselves and trust the stars and the navigation and interpret the signs and believe that God will lead us through it. But it is that other road that we may choose to take, whatever it is for you, it is that other road that will eventually lead us home, that eventually makes us part of God's salvation, of the unfolding of that plan. It is that other faithful road that leads to fulfillment and away from the things that hurt us. And you may not know it at the time, but you may, like the wise men, leave blessings behind you that you never knew would affect anyone else. So in this new year, I pray that you will take another road home. Amen.